0: Due to your precious name, Lord. Lord, we ask your anointing over this word this morning, Lord. Lord, anoint your word, Lord. Let it go forth and accomplish that which it set out to do, Father. Lord, we love you and we ask you to remain here for the remainder of this service, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Am I on? Testing, testing, on. Okay. You may be seated. Wonderful time of worship. Amen. Oh, I know we have some little snafus with some crackles that we heard earlier, and microphones don't work perfectly, but you know, our, our band and our tech team, they put in a lot of work, and there's always constantly little bugs you've got to work out, and, you know, I don't think God minds those things too much, as long as our heart's right before Him, so everyone have a good Thanksgiving, I trust, amen, everyone on the extra big belt loop notch on your belt today? Hopefully not. Uh, wanted to thank everyone real quickly before I get started. Um, you see all the pretty decorations. Um, we had a, a really nice crew of people show up and made light work of all this. It's, it's actually a big project. We had such a decent crew and came and we put on Christmas carols and, you know, just went to town and it, it went great. It was lots of fun. So thank you to the group of people that did that and also the other people that helped clean up all the Thanksgiving stuff that we had. Thank you so much. Um, it always takes a big army, and it's, it's a blessing to have people that are so willing to do all those things. Um, believe it or not, it's daytime out. Anyone know that? This is not a PM service. It is daytime. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, real quickly, too, I wanted to show you, um, I'll get probably next week we're going to start having our sign-ups for our next Sunday evening class. That's going to start, I believe, January 9th is a Sunday. Um, showed you the video last week. We'll show it again in another week or two. But it'll teach us uh, to be more grounded in our faith and even to defend our faith. How many of you would agree that we live in a more cynical uh, culture nowadays, right? Right. Even people, if you say God, they don't even know which God you're talking about or who God or what God. And Many young people have never even heard of Jesus Christ. So it's good to learn all these things, to be able to explain. When you say God, you're not talking about a Hindu God or some other lesser God. You're talking about the Hebrew Christian God. And to be able to make a defense for all that, and this stuff will teach us all that um, by a ministry called... uh, cross-examined it's actually fantastic i like a lot of their stuff um guy by the name of frank turek he's real neat you can find lots of cool videos of him on youtube if you ever get a chance Um, but that'll be starting january 9th we'll have a a sign-up sheet coming up not yet but i'll get it to the welcome center maybe starting next week um so folks can sign up those books will be ten dollars and um if you sign up for the book Wayne or whoever's at the Welcome Center will collect your ten dollars right then and there. That's how a transaction occurs, and then we'll uh, we'll get your book ordered out. Because if I order them in bulk, I can save a few dollars here and there. So, okay, you know, part of the the reason to preach and to hear uh, the word ministered at church is is for instruction in righteousness for to explain good doctrine, to correct bad doctrine, and I, I think there's a little bit of a misconception that some Christians may have, and hopefully no one in here, but if there are, hopefully we can kind of correct this misconception this morning. You know, I, I do believe, and God's put this on my heart lately, this one particular scripture I just keep thinking of, of over and over and mulling it over, but Some people kind of erroneously believe that salvation consists of God trying to clean them up, okay? You know, here's a man, he's he's a drunkard, Christ comes along, helps him to quit drinking, stops being a drunkard, and sets him on his way, and that's salvation. Or, here's a man, he's hooked on pornography, Christ comes along, removes the pornography, and that's salvation he's saved now he's good to go set him on his way almost as if you know we, we have boiled it down to a, a divine car wash if you will where uh, it's like you, you come to God or you come to Christ and you're this dirty car and you go through a car wash and then you come out the car wash a clean car we kind of say yeah that, that's that's what the Bible's talking about. That's what being saved means. You know you go there, you you have this encounter with Christ, an encounter with God. He cleans you all up. The water sprays on all the dirt and it cleans everything off. Then you come out, you emerge from this car, wash, a shiny, nice car. And and that's what we have said. That's what salvation is. I I, I just can't get on board with that. You know, I, I see some of the analogies. I actually Googled that. You know, I think I Googled something like, Is is God a divine car wash or something? And there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sermons you can look at where people preach that. You know, I'm not saying that's entirely wrong. I'm saying that's not entirely the whole thing. That's not what occurs. You don't just show up a dirty car, God cleans you up a bit, and now you come out the other end and you're a clean car. That's not it. That's the misconception. There's much more to being saved than the divine car wash. Some people have the wrong perception that Christ comes along with his spiritual rag and he wipes off some of the stains that you've accumulated over life. And, and you're saved then. You know, Christ came, he, he took some of them stains away, cleaned me up, and what? What more do you want? I'm saved now. That's, that's what the Bible says. You know, that's, that's not entirely what He's trying to do. OK? Now, it's a good thing if God removes drunkenness, or if God removes some sort of unclean from, thing from your life, that is a good thing. I'm not making light of that. It's always good. That is only part of what God is trying to do to you when you're saved. You know? God's not just trying to remove a few bad habits from you. That's not what he's trying to do. That's not the totality of salvation. It's not the totality of justification and sanctification just to remove a few bad habits. Well, I kind of say some cuss words. need the Lord to take them away. That's not the totality of it. That's just a little part of it. To be saved is not to have the Lord just come and clean you up. You, You know, you can get cleaned up. At any number of secular organizations, you can. You can go to AA and and go through a process and come out a person that makes better decisions. You can go through any number of 12-step secular organizations and come out a better person who makes better choices, who left some bad habits behind. Lots of people do that. Salvation is more than that. Much more than that. It's much more than showing up a dirty car, letting God wash you, now you're a clean car. It's more than that. You can do that at a secular organization. Go and get cleaned up. Go and and stop drinking. There's a scripture, and this is the one that I've been mulling over for a while now, for a matter of a few weeks, that, that sheds light on what the Lord is trying to do in us. And here it is it's found in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 it says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service it says and be not conformed to this world pay attention now and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I don't know if you saw it in there, but when a person is genuinely saved, God is trying to transform that person. It's not just a quick clean-up job, it's a transformation job. In modern Christianity, we've boiled it down to just have Jesus come along, wipe you down a little bit with his spiritual rags, and then that's it. But that's not what salvation is according to the Bible. Salvation is a transformation process that an individual goes through. To to be transformed is to be changed into something else. To be transformed is to be changed into another form of what you previously were. It's a complete overhaul, not just a wipe down job. When verse 2 says, Be ye transformed, it is the Greek word metamorphal. Okay? We we from that word we get the word metamorphosis. In English, okay, which means a change in structure. That's what God is trying to do to you. Not just clean you up, he's trying to completely change the whole structure of who you are. It it is a change of substance. The, The caterpillar goes through a metamorphosis into a butterfly. That's a more correct analogy for what salvation is. It is a metamorphosis. It went into the cocoon one thing and came out something completely different. It went through a transformation. That's what being saved is. That's what walking with Christ is. It is a transformation. When I was a little kid, there was a cartoon we kind of liked called the Transformers. I know many of you have probably heard of the Transformers. They made some movies of them a few years ago. I didn't watch any of them because they looked goofy to me. But the old cartoon Transformers, I liked it. You know, a little kid. There might be a semi or whatever it was, but he transformed and then he was Optimus Prime. He was this real tough, strong guy. He was completely different. He wasn't no longer a semi. He was a robot that could fight crime or evil or whatever it was. That's, that's salvation. It is a transformation process. God wants to transform you, not just come and clean you up. He's trying to make you something that He can use. Because in your natural state, you're of no use to the kingdom of God. You're of no use. He can get no glory out of you before you are saved. None at all. Because when you're unsaved, you're of no use to the kingdom of God. He can't use you in an unregenerate form. He can't use you. And he's trying to make something of you, but he can't. Before you're saved, when you're unregenerate, you are spiritually deceased. You are dead. Your spirit man inside of you is dead before you are saved in your caterpillar form. You're dead to the Spirit. You're dead to the things of God. In your B.C. days, before Christ, you are spiritually dead. You know that all this stuff is spiritually discerned. Everything in here is spiritually discerned. And when you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. It's foolishness in your caterpillar phase. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says this. And you hath he quickened, think of yourself now, not someone else, not your husband, your wife, or your neighbors, think of yourself. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience says verse 3 among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others this the verse 4 says but god who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with christ by grace are ye saved Is that familiar at all from last week? Remember last week? By grace are ye saved. Brothers and sisters, to be saved is to go from the form of one thing to a whole different form of another thing. That's what it is. It is to go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. When God created Adam and Eve, The Bible says that God breathed into Adam the the breath of life. He breathed it into his nostrils, nostrils, and man became a living soul, a living being. That's what salvation is. God breathes into you. He imparts his spirit into you, and your spirit man inside of you for the first time comes alive. It awakens, and you are transformed. It is to be changed from one thing into another. It is by the mercy of God to be found in a state wherein you are dead in sins and you are transformed into a being that is alive through Christ Jesus. That's what salvation is. When you are saved, truly saved, you undergo a big change, an overhaul, a transformation. You go in a caterpillar and you come out a butterfly. That's what it is. Let me tell you what it is not. You don't go into the cocoon a caterpillar and come out a clean caterpillar. You don't go into the cocoon a caterpillar and then come out a caterpillar that no longer gets drunk. You you don't go into the cocoon a caterpillar that cusses and then you come out a caterpillar that doesn't cuss anymore. That's not what it is. You go in... the cocoon and you come out transformed into something else, something completely different. We've cheapened up salvation over the years. It's been cheapened up to go in a caterpillar, doesn't require much, just let God do a quick rinse job, let him spray you down with the hose, and you come out and you've knocked a few bad habits off. It's more than that. It's a transformation process. You emerge from that cocoon, from that process God takes you through, changed. Changed. The the old is gone. The caterpillar doesn't exist anymore. It, 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 It fell away. It went to the wayside. It's gone. It had to go away so that a new could emerge. It's not a hybrid of the two. No, one of them had to die so that one of them could live. A new spirit is risen within you when you come out of that cocoon. Second Corinthians five verse 17 says, "Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When you emerge from that baptism that Christ lays over you, when you emerge from it, everything's new. It's new because the old you's gone. You're seeing it from your spiritual eyes for the first time ever. And it's all new. All the old things are passed away. You know, how many times have we seen this happen in people? How many times have you seen a brother or a sister in Christ? They find salvation, and guess what? They no longer want to hang out with the old crew anymore. Why is that? Because the old's passed away. They no longer want to listen. They want to throw all their... CDs in the trash, or they want to change their iPod music because the old has passed away. It's because they went through a transformation process. Christ came and he made everything new. Man, all that old stuff, it just doesn't mean that much to you anymore because you've changed. Nowadays, salvation's a quick prayer, doesn't require much, and go on about your business. It's almost as like we've made being saved as just like a, an insurance policy against hell. You know, I'll, I'll say this and I will believe it just in case because I don't want to go to hell because when the preacher man describes that place, it doesn't sound very fun. So I believe it as an insurance policy. You know, we might not say that audibly, but I wonder if that's what our actions really say. Salvation is not cheap, it's not cheap. It will transform you. The, the real salvation transform you. you know I've seen this happen in people. Have you ever seen when God really gets a hold of someone and changes them It's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing to watch someone go through a radical transformation process. I've seen people go through that transformation process i've seen I've seen it. Sadly, it it seems kind of rare, but I've seen it happen. When people are transformed, I I have seen God take people that are completely useless in the kingdom of God, transform them, and make them integral parts in the kingdom of God. They, They used to be completely useless in the kingdom of God, and now they play a very important role in the kingdom of God because of the transformation process. I've seen God make, do, change people so radically that they do things they never ever thought they would do or had the capability of doing. It's because God says, get in the cocoon, let me do my thing. Man, when you come out, he will enable you to do what he wants you to do. It's the transformation process. God can make people that are useless in the kingdom of God. Useless in the kingdom of God too. Something that's very instrumental. You know, as a matter of fact, you're kind of looking at one of them right now. Me. I I can't stress to you how unmotivated I was as a young man. A few months back, I kind of shared a little bit of my story. And I won't get into all of it again, but... Here's a way I quickly describe how I was as a young man. You know those little white dandelion puffball things we see in the springtime? Pesky things that grow up in your lawn, make your lawn look horrible. You know, little kids grab them and they pluck them and they blow them. And little white things fly all over the place and plant more white things that later on turn into those yellow things. I was like one of those little white puff things that just flies onto the wind. Just, there you go, floating here and there. That's how I was as a young man. Just floating wherever in the world the wind takes me. That's where I'll land. I had no goals at all. No plans, no ambition. I, I didn't try hard at anything. I didn't apply myself. My mom and dad always used to get mad at me. You know, Jason, you're plenty intelligent. But I would do the bare minimum just to get by. Just to keep my mom and dad off my back. I would do the bare minimum. Never applied myself. Never used what God gave me. How many of you know God gives you things? He gives you abilities and talents to use for Him. To glorify Him. To draw more people to the kingdom of God. But I was like one of those little white dandelion things that just floated on the wind. Whichever way it blew, I'll land wherever. That was me. Until God started getting a hold of me. Until He started getting a hold of me. And He started this transformation process in me. He started changing me. He started shaping me. He started molding me. He started transforming me. And He started ripping things off and adding new things. And He started refining things that were there. And I tell you what. It's still going on. He's, he's still changing me, still transforming me, still going through that process. I look at myself, and I, I'm amazed. You know, I always tell people I have a weird time with my job title, pastor. You know, people call me that. I know a lot of you aren't used to calling me that. That's fine. But I have a, it's like I have a hard time owning up to it because I think of me, who I really am, what I was, it's like the, the two don't reconcile. You know, you, you know, it's like deep down, man, you ain't no pastor. You're a no good bum that just one of them white dandelion things that floats on the wind. That's what you truly are. And then someone's like, hey, Pastor Jason, how you doing? I'm like, oh, hey, good, good. Just because it's so odd to me. But, but that's what God can do to a person, He can transform them, He transforms them. God says, get into get, hey, caterpillar, get in the cocoon. Get in there. And when God put me in a cocoon, the old me started dying. You know, that goofy waste. You know how much time I've wasted? How much time have you wasted, brothers and sisters? Wasted so much time, wasted so much money, wasted so much resources. I've wasted so much. But God's a restorer. All, all that stuff starts to die. And God says, Behold, I make all things new. He gets you in that cocoon. And he starts working you over and removing things and shaping you like you're a piece of clay. And he starts working you. You know what? The Bible is very descriptive. I always tell you this. It has the answers to your problems. Sometimes you've got to search a little more uh, in-depth than other times. But the Bible actually tells us what goes on inside of that cocoon. It tells us what happens. Listen, it's it's found in Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Now, as I read this, think of that transformation process. Think of being inside that cocoon of what God takes you through, of real, true regeneration, of real, true transformation. Romans chapter 6, we'll start reading in verse 3. Says this, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Verse 5 says, For we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. That, that is what happens in real, true salvation. That's what happens inside of that cocoon. You, are, you go in there and you are dead. You are made dead You're you're dead just as Christ was crucified. You're buried just like Jesus was put in a tomb. The old you's put in a tomb. You're baptized unto his death. You go in the cocoon to die. We're buried with him just like Jesus was. So are we. Just as he's raised up from the dead, so are we. It's a complete transformation process. It's where something dies and something comes to life. Church, God is not just trying to clean you up. He's trying to transform you. I can't stress it enough. He's trying to get you to go through a spiritual rebirth, if you will. Listen, to accomplish a spiritual rebirth, the prognosis for the old you doesn't look so good. The, the, the unregenerate version of you has to die. It has to go away. It has to, to, to molt off of you and go to the wayside so that that new you can emerge. The, the caterpillar got to go. That, that form it brings no glory to God. The B.C. days before Christ, before salvation brings no glory to god the caterpillar's got to go brothers and sisters if you go into the cocoon you aren't coming out the same you aren't not if you're genuine you go in there the old you dies just like jesus was crucified your flesh crucified just like jesus died your flesh died just like jesus was buried in a tomb the old you the caterpillar Buried in the tomb. Just like Jesus. All those things happen to the old version of you. It is a spiritual rebirth. The old you dies. But in the process of metamorphosis, a new life emerges from the cocoon. A new life breaks forth. Listen, Romans not only tells us what goes on in the cocoon, it tells us what comes out of the cocoon. Okay, Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Just skipping a few verses from where we just were. It says this, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. When I read these verses, think of what emerges from that cocoon. Let's read verse 11 again. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of unrighteous or as members of or excuse me members as instruments of righteousness unto God. When when you emerge, the Bible's saying that old you reckon it as dead. It is dead. It is gone. No longer use your body for unrighteousness. Use it for righteousness. Look yourself in the mirror every day and say, The old you is dead. It's gone. It's been crucified with Christ. It's buried. It's laying in a tomb. It molted away. It's dissolved into nothingness. There's a new me that has emerged through Christ Jesus. Now, don't be confused. Like Nicodemus was. It's the same physical you that emerges from the cocoon. You you don't come out with different colored hair. You don't come out with different colored eyes. You don't come out six or seven inches taller or, or, or physically stronger. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And Nicodemus was confused about this. When he was talking with Jesus, he asked him, he says, How can a man be reborn when he is old? But Jesus Clears it up for him. He says this in John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answers Nicodemus and says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And then Jesus explains it. He says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus is saying there's two types of birth. One of the water, which all of us in here, every single one of us in here have been born of the water. But then Jesus says there's another birth that can take place inside of a willing individual, inside of a genuine individual. It's a spiritual birth that is of the Spirit. That's of the flesh, is of the flesh. But Jesus is saying there's a whole other type of birth. That's what I'm telling you about when I say except a man be born again. He shall not see the kingdom of God. There's a spiritual birth that an individual must go through. Not just a quick wipe down job. It's a rebirth. It's a regeneration. It's a bringing from death out of death into life. When you come out of God's transformation process, it's you, but it's not you. It's you, but you've been changed into something else. It's you that's been made new. That's what it is. It's you, but you've been made new. That's what salvation is. It's the same old earth that you've been living on. It's the same lawn that you mow or snow that you shovel. But it's all made new because you've went through a transformation, through a rebirth, a spiritual rebirth that only Christ Jesus can take you through. You see it through the Spirit. You're regenerated. You're made new. Things are different now. What things are different now? Well, Ephesians tells us what things. Ephesians, Ephesians will go through the whole process. Everything that I just said, Ephesians will take us through that whole process just to, to clear it all up again. Listen, Ephesians first, verse four I'm, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter four, verse 22. Now as I read these, think of that transformation process, the cocoon. That ye, be, that ye put off, concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's that transformation process. The conversation, the old man, bad, no good, needs to die. Ephesians says, put on the new man, holiness, righteousness, The old man is corrupt and deceitful, dies. The individual is renewed in the spirit, and a new man comes to life. And the new man is righteous and holy. That's the transformation process we've been talking about. This this theology is all through the New Testament. But Ephesians goes on to make it real plain for any of us that might be dim of wit this morning. It gives examples. Listen to Ephesians, we'll keep reading, chapter 4, verse 25. It says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. In other words, you're transformed. Then Ephesians goes on to saying, Stop lying and start speaking the truth. You you see the transformation process and then what comes out of the cocoon. He doesn't just remove your lying. You don't just come out a caterpillar that doesn't lie any longer. No, no, you come out a butterfly who no longer lies but now begins to speak the truth. It is a transformation process. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 says this. Let him that stole steal no more but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he might have to give to him that needs. In, in other words, th- that thief, caterpillar, goes into the cocoon. The Bible says, I'm not just going to remove you thieving all the time. I'm actually going to you get a job now, and then you earn some money, and then you have enough to give to other people that used to be just like you and Thieve. It's a complete transformation. It's not just, I'm going to remove the sin of theft from your life. No, no, it's much more than that. He not only removes theft, he makes you generous in, to, to give to other people. That same individual that used to steal is now generous. That same individual that used to lie now speaks the truth. Do you see that before you're saved, you go in that cocoon and you come out exactly the opposite Of what you used to be before you were saved. He doesn't just remove things from you. He doesn't just wipe you down with a rag and say, go on about your way. You're clean now. No, he makes you into something that you didn't used to be. It it goes on even. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that may, it may minister grace unto the ears. He doesn't just remove lying from you. He takes the lying away in the, in the cocoon, and then you emerge, and He adds unto you speaking the truth and edifying people. It's not just a cleaned up version of you. It is a transformed version of you. Meaning, when he says, let no communication, corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that may, it may minister grace unto the hearers. Meaning, if you used to have filth coming out of your mouth, that will stop when you become truly saved and do the opposite now. Not only does filth not come out of your mouth, but what does come out of your mouth builds other people up. Where you used to cut people down, now you build them up. That's salvation, brothers and sisters. That's what being saved is. After being transformed by God, liars start speaking the truth. After being transformed by God, thieves become generous. After going into the cocoon, the caterpillar, and coming out the butterfly, abusive language becomes graceful language. That's a transformation process. Listen, we, we won't read it all, but Ephesians goes on to say, Bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor become transformed into kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. God transforms all those things. Sometimes my heart breaks when I think of people that are so full of bitterness. You ever worked around someone that's so bitter? I I worked around this this person years ago, many people now, sadly, but when I was young and you know, a little wet behind the ears and you don't know how the world completely works, and I would see these people and they were so cantankerous, and I remember. One time, don't think me rude, one time this person, I I couldn't even sit near them in the lunchroom. We would go to break. I couldn't because of the vileness that used to come out of this individual. Being young, I just thought, man, that person's a complete idiot. This person, oh my goodness. And then over time, God, God started showing me. And you see a little bit more with your spiritual eyeballs into that person's life. The things that have happened to that person. And the things that that person has gone through. And then my heart started aching for those same people. And breaking for those people. Because God shows you they're lost. They're caterpillars. They're caterpillars. That old man of corruption and and vileness is having its way with them. And, And God will help you to see those people differently. If you work around someone you can't hardly stand. Let God show you. Through this spirit, let him just work on your eyes so that you can see clearly. God will break your heart for those people. He will. Then when he does that, then you'll look to ways to to minister to those people and to show them you have the light of life. You've went through that process. Maybe you were bitter and God has taken away and now you're forgiving and you're joyful. Share that with other people, church. Let God tell them about the transformation process. Brothers and sisters, I know I'm being repetitive, but Jesus is not trying to make an improved version of you. Don't cheapen salvation, don't cheapen it. It's not a quick rinse off from God, it's not a quick bath in hand sanitizer. You know, those things will always pump. I always felt like that. I even still feel gross when I do that because I feel like ain't none of the germs is even gone. They're still there. You just moved them around a little bit. That's not what salvation is. Just a quick pump from the Lord's hand sanitizer and you're good to go. It is a transformation process. It is a complete overhaul of who you are. It consists of making you something you weren't. And God has made me into something that I wasn't. He has, I'll tell you, I I get amazed when I look in the mirror. And I'm not saying I'm all this holy thing, you need to be like me. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, if you look at me now, from what I was so many years ago, I, I wasted so much time. And I feel like God is helping me to catch up on all that thing. God has made me someone that studies, that reads, That's motivated, that even has some goals, that's a goal oriented person. And I'm not saying, you know, you got to have all these five year plans and have everything figured out. It's not that. It's not that. It's just I was a guy that floated on the wind and whatever happened, happened. I didn't care. Not much bothered me. God has completely transformed me. Now I enjoy using my brain that He gave me, I enjoy learning new things. I enjoy trying to use any talents that I have to bring glory to Him. Why? Because I've been transformed. And I'm telling you about that this morning. It's a transformation. Now we'll conclude with this and the band can make their way back. We'll conclude with something out of the book of Romans. I know we've been in Romans and Ephesians a lot today. I have close buddies that tell me and have told me that it is because the book of Romans they're saved today. And I understand that. If you spend any time in the book of Romans, there's no way possible that it will not transform you in some sort of way, shape, or form. Remember when we talked in our opening text, which was Romans, told us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. And remember that, be ye transformed was the Greek word metamorphal. You know, that word metamorphal is also used in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, same word to describe the transfiguration of Jesus. Okay? Now, the transfiguration of Jesus is a different sermon for a different day. We're not going to get into all that. That's neat to look at but some other day. But I at least wanted to look at what happens to Jesus when he is transfigured. And remember, be ye transformed is the same word in the Greek as transfigured before them. Which we're going to read that scripture in Mark chapter 9 verse 2. It says this, And after six days Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and led them up onto a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. He was metamorphal. He was transformed before them. Verse 3 says, look at the results of it. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. Brothers and sisters, that's what happens to your soul when God transforms you. It becomes white, more white that nothing in the world can outwhite the brightness that he makes when you are transformed. You shine. You carry the light of life. Your soul shines in a dark, sinful, broken world. You are transformed. You are transfigured when you emerge from that cocoon, when you genuinely want to be saved, when you genuinely reach to Christ. He will come and He will do this to you. He will transfigure you. He will transform you. He will make you something you weren't. Amen? Let's stand. Brothers and sisters we're going to go to worship But I want you to know Salvation is no cheap car wash To be saved Is to be transformed And These altars are open you Come make your way and seek the Lord Seek the Lord I love seeing people praying and worshiping Before I came to preach man We were worshiping away. way I loved it Almost didn't want to disrupt it with what I had to say Let's get into worship. Let's get into prayer. Father God, we love you this morning. And Lord, we have just boiled down salvation, Lord, into this cheapo car wash, Lord. Lord, that's not true, Lord God. It's not the whole truth, Lord. You do clean us up. You do remove things. But Lord, you make us into something that we never were, never even knew we could be. That's what true salvation is, Lord. Lord, I pray that this church knows that, Lord God. And that it rests in our hearts, Lord God. If there be anyone here, Lord, who is not saved, Lord, that they would find someone. They would find one of our elders, Lord God. Find a a, a faithful brother or sister to come, take them to this altar and pray with them, Lord. Find me, Lord. I'll pray with them, Lord God. And Lord, that they would find true transformation, true change, a salvation that changes a person is the real deal, Lord. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for regeneration, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for you say, behold, I make all things new. Hallelujah. Amen. Church, let's worship, and these altars are open. Amen.